Hey, welcome to the Bipolar Podcast, where opinions are like assholes, and this podcast has at least one of each. I am your host, Will Fangy, and I am joined as always by the yang to my yin, Mr. Andy. I can never pronounce your last name correctly. Andy, how's it going? Yeah, all good, thank you. And it's uh, Nicolides, if you uh, did want to say it. Probably best avoid. It's not the, the most uh, catchy name, but... Thangy is not exactly what one would consider to be the uh, the Johnson <laughs> or whatever the equivalent of Johnson or Smith is in uh, in England either. Um, how's it going? Pretty yeah, good? yeah, all good. Um, yeah, it's been a been a long day. Been solo looking after my daughter today. Um, it's a pretty knackered, but I don't envy you with that. I too have kind of been by myself today, but uh, unlike having a small child. Uh, to look after. I just have four dogs, uh, most of which can take care of themselves as long as I make sure they get a chance to to pee every once in a while. Uh, I don't think we should pretend like we didn't just record another hour and a half podcast. We are coming directly off of the uh, first official episode of Stuff and Things with Rob, which, again, to reiterate, not a taxidermy podcast. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so here we are with Bipolar, and seeing as how this is episode one, we'll give you a little bit of an overview. Um, in case you can't tell, uh, Andy is from England, part of the United Kingdom, four parts of the United Kingdom. I learned, I, you know, I did learn a couple weeks ago, Canada is your right. fourth. Okay. Is it Canada, <laughs> Ireland, Scotland, England. See, it's, it's one of those things. I didn't realize that Canada was part of the United Kingdom. Andy is over in the United Kingdom. He has a daughter. He has a quote-unquote professional full-time job. I... Uh, am here in the United States. I live in Tennessee. I also have a full-time job, but I'm a teacher, so it's not your normal corporate everyday nine to five. And I don't have children because ironically for a teacher, I don't even, except for Andy's, care for them very much. The format of the podcast is kind of unique and kind of uh, commonplace. Andy and I are both big podcast fans. Uh, we listen to a lot of them on a regular basis. You said you subscribe to what, like 35 different podcasts on a regular basis? Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, bit of a challenge trying to keep up with them all. Um, but I'm, I'm, I do quite well. I listen to them mostly all day at work, whilst working, right. obviously. Um, in case any of my boss is listening, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I I crack through them. But I'm right there at about twenty or twenty five, and I'm finding another one or two every week to subscribe to. Uh, Andy and I are big podcast fans, so we are familiar with the two guys talking about things that they're interested in format. So we thought we would do. Uh, a little bit of a different take on that. Uh, Bipolar has been through a couple of different iterations and a couple of different thought processes, but what Andy and I have kind of settled on is we're going to pick either a couple of relevant news topics from the tech world or a couple of relevant topics that are tech-related, be they big, ambiguous topics like uh, productivity or, I don't know, video recording or something along those lines, and we are going to sort of have two different takes on each topic. Now, most of the time, I would imagine that we are going to agree on a lot of things because Andy and I are very similar in our hobbies and our interests. Um, but there are going to be times that, I don't know, I, I hope things don't get too adversarial, but I imagine that there will be some oppositional opinions about things. Uh, so we're going to kind of do two different, the, the format of the podcast is two different takes on, uh, on one common topic. Uh, and this week... For the first episode, we settled on a topic that is of interest to both of us, and Andy's going to tell you a little more about that here in just a second. We kind of, there's been a big dust up 
in the the people that we follow on Twitter and and the app development community this week that kind of surrounds Apple and their operating system releases. And Marco Arment, who has been an advocate, someone who's been very vocal about the Apple community in the past, wrote an article this week about how things have been changing for both different operating systems that Apple has released here in the last little while and how he thinks that quality is maybe slipping a little bit. So, uh, Andy, what, you want to give us a little bit of a synopsis of that article and then we'll we'll talk about some of the responses? Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, Marco started his post. He called it the uh, Apple's lost its functional high ground. Um, uh, he, I, I guess you can call it quite a scathing analysis of the state of, um, of iOS and uh, OSX at the moment. Um, he hammered them pretty much. I, I know he has, should probably just say, he, he has gone back since he, uh, after getting quite a bit of attention, I think, uh, as you mentioned, it's been discussed across pretty much every podcast I listen to and across all the blogs I read. Um, he maybe regretted quite how fierce he went with, with the, the discussion, but he, um, yeah, went into the issues that he's seeing or his, him and his community are seeing with um with apple kind of pushing out uh, a regular ios update every year or a major update and um similarly pretty I, I don't know if it's yearly now with the osx update updates but he his opinion on that was just that apple maybe should start backing away from trying to attach a a software update with every hardware update and really focus on quality over just new features and, and just pushing it out no matter what. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it seems to be the thing at the moment with people highlighting various issues with iOS and, and OS X. And it's, it's divisive, I think. I don't know how you feel about that, but kind of drills up a little bit more maybe than, than the actual issues are. Um, even in the community itself is, is a split a little bit on quite how bad things are or how good in some people's opinions. Um, so David Sparks of Max Sparky, he, he did agree on the general principles of, of the, uh, the situation, but he, and I think I agree with this, doesn't, agree with Marco in that people would be happy for Apple to slow down at this point. People now expect both the hardware to come out every year in, what is it, September, October time now, and they expect the iOS features to go along with that, similarly with, with OS X and uh, Yosemite with the latest update. There's every comment, kind of negative comment you get from maybe the Android people in the communities uh, in the tech community say, you know, Android could do this, Android could do that. Um, so I don't think there's any room for Apple at this point to, to kind of slow down with that. Um, it, it's, you know, there's, there's no option really for them to do that. It's, it's all or nothing at this point. Do you agree? No, I, I definitely, I'm there with you. I think the article tries to boil it down a little much, and this is the way that I read it, that Apple should either be concentrating on adding new features every, or he feels like Apple is too concentrated on adding new features every year as opposed to making sure that the quality assurance and the bugs are worked out before it gets sent because I don't think either of us is going to argue that some of the new features, particularly in iOS 8, which is what I'm more familiar with, I don't use Yosemite on 
uh, I don't use Yosemite at all. I'm not going to say on a regular basis. I don't use Yosemite at all, but I do use iOS 8 on my iPhone every day. Some of the new features on iOS 8 were were huge. Mm. I use notification center widgets every day. I use extensions every day. Some of those new things are are great, and they have changed the way that people who rely on this system, people like Federico, Federico Vitici, who we'll talk about here in a second, some of those people that use this every day, this has really made it that much closer to a MacBook or a full laptop replacement. Is it worth having those features if you have to sacrifice the typical quality control, finesse, and polish that Apple has been known for with their operating systems? Is it worth getting these wonderful, spectacular new new features if it means at the same time that you're going to have to run the risk of until... 8.1 8.1 or 8.1.2 comes out to not have your phone reset itself every week because, or every day in some cases. Um, because, you know, there's some people that have to rely on their phones or their iPads or what have you being up and ready to run at any given time. And I think that uh, my interpretation of the article was that Marco's big beef was that Apple's kind of defining point was it just works. And now we're getting to a point with particularly iOS that we expect it to just work, but there are a lot of if, ands, and buts attached to that now that to the point that we're at the point now that that list of, well, except for this and except for that is longer than the li- the things that are broken are, is now longer than the list of things that work all the time regardless. And I don't know. I mean, it, it depends. I feel like it depends on what camp you fall in because there are different levels of users. There are people, uh, there are programmers like, Marco Arment and some of the other people that have commented on on his response to this. And then there are people like you and I that are, you know, somewhere in between where Marco and some of the other developers are. You know, we're we're in there. I'm I'm a beta user. You and I have had a discussion about how I'm using a couple different beta versions of, of multiple apps and I run the the new iOS betas when they come out because I'm interested in being right there in the bleeding edge, but then there are people like you know your wife and my wife and other people in the general community that maybe may not be running up against these issues because maybe they're not pushing their phones as hard or they're not the edge cases uh, that, that we are. Have you, in your day-to-day use of either Yosemite or iOS, run into many issues just in your regular everyday life? No, I haven't, uh, to be honest. And like I said, I am quite a heavy user of it. And I, I don't, I'm just not seeing the issues that, people seem to you know think uh, are so big i know from you know my, when my wife and my even my mother-in-law now is is using uh, an iphone i don't think like from where marco's coming from i know i'm sure he uses it in a, a lot different way than i do um and goes into a lot more depth so i guess he sees these issues a lot more than i would um or any kind of quote-unquote normal user would um i these it's definitely in my opinion blown up or blown out proportion a lot more i think um i've you get the occasional crash like you would with with anything but in the normal use case uh again referencing back to my wife's use i i tend to be um uh it technician i guess for use of a better word when it comes to any of the issues that she has with her phone and the the only issue that I remember bringing up in the last few months is the Facebook app's not working. Um, not, you know, she doesn't particularly use kind of notification center and, and things like that. She uses it for the basics, which is kind of what it was designed for. But as you get apps that 
I guess, appeal to the more nerdy user that are trying to push the use of Notification Center beyond what Apple kind of originally intended for, you're going to start seeing things falling apart a little bit. There was a, one of the articles I was reading while I was kind of researching for this one uh, from, who was it, Glenn Fleisman? He had a big long list of the issues that he thought across iOS and OXX needed fixing. The top of his list just, to me, just makes, I, I don't even know what he's referring to, but it says a massive accumulation of paging files. He, you know, it, it's really mundane things like that that I guess, again, if you're a heavy user and you're you're um, a developer or something that, that really gets in depth with these things, then you're going to see these things and they, they are a lot bigger than you think. But day-to-day users, like I said, even up to my level of using it fairly heavily, do not see kind of the, the issues that people like Marco seem to think are be all and end all of, of this. Um, I certainly wouldn't be happy with uh, bug fixing once a year instead of actual feature updates you need to keep or apple needs to keep competitive with these sort of things so it's uh it's i know it's a you know a bit of a catch-22 but um yeah i I don't know uh do do you see much or i think that massive accumulation of paging files thing you know when you plug your phone into itunes and you're trying to clear out some space you're trying to move some things over and there's Mm -hmm. that massive chunk of other I think that's probably what a page. Right. File okay. Is. Well, in that case, know. that is an issue I've had. <laughs> but I would think that that's. Well, yeah. No, me too. Um, and you and I were having this discussion earlier because you were complaining about how quickly your sixteen gigabyte iPad fills up. Yeah. With things, and we were having this conversation a week or two ago about how, um, and I serve as the the IT or the the tech guy in my house too. Um, my wife would come to me on a semi-regular basis and say, hey, my phone's giving me this notification every morning, and it was, your iCloud backup doesn't have enough space because she has an iPad and an iPhone. And the backups get to the point that it fills up that five gigabytes of space or whatever that you have for free um, just about immediately. So without her acknowledgement of it, I just decided one morning because we're on the, or because I have her, I know her iTunes passwords and stuff, let's not even talk about family sharing today. Let's not even get into that. That's another... Oh my God, that's an entire another episode. It's but another subject. Because I know uh, her password and the way to get in, I just went ahead and spent the extra dollar a month to get her those other 20 gigabytes of storage because that's another thing that affects the quote-unquote general population. I mean, we go back and we talk about how developers like Marco and like Jared Sinclair who did um, Unread and what, what was that, the, the World Zones, the Zone Clock or whatever the the uh times oh time zones that that's what he did that that you and i are now or i know that i'm using i don't know if you're using it but that's what i'm using to keep up with uh what yeah. time it is where you are and what time uh some of our other i am yeah uh co-hosts are over on the pacific coast they obviously they put especially and again i speak from an ios standpoint because that's what i use on a daily basis they put it through its paces and i wonder if the criticism of apple on this isn't necessarily fair because the vast majority of people that are complaining are either are either developers and people who don't use it in a standard use case, or if there are people that use it in a quote-unquote standard use case, a lot of times they are people that hear feedback from members of the development community or other vocal members of the quote-unquote power user community, and... Well, and I pull out this from uh, a Craig Hockenberry article that was kind of of a reflection on Marco's original article. Hockenberry's article is called Death by a Thousand Cuts. Uh, We'll have a link to that in the show notes, which, by the way, are at nerduprising.co slash bipolar slash one. Um, 
It's called Death by a Thousand Cuts, and he says that um, a lot of regular folks, so people like your wife, my wife, our mother-in-laws, and to some extent us, uh, when they're looking at guidance for Apple products, they're they're kind of listening to people that are more well-versed and more educated in the in the Apple community. So if people that know what's going on with Apple are upset, then people that aren't as up to speed on things think, well, if the super users or the power users are upset, then I definitely ought to be upset in the process. But, you know, you've talked about, and, and I will second the opinion, that there are a lot of things that Marco and the people that fall into that sort of ilk in, in that subset of users, well, there's a lot of issues and errors that they're coming across that I'm not coming across. And if I'm not, if it's not a problem for me, then it's definitely not going to be a problem for my wife or for my two or three coworkers down the hallway that have iPhones or whatever. So I feel like it's a particular subset or a particular group of people that I feel like it's the minority that's doing the majority of the complaining. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of those things, the whole kind of Apple idea is that again, going back to what Marco said of it just works. They, maybe that's not quite as true as it used to be, but the, the idea of the simplicity behind that, is still very much Apple's thing. You know, they're locked down. You can't, well, beyond kind of jailbreaking and things like that, you, you can't change quite as much or tweak quite as much as you can on, on things like Android. So it's, it's it, uh, like we said, as, as kind of more advanced users start using it and, and shoehorn all these different things into, again, into the notification center and various other places that Apple didn't necessarily plan to be quite so advanced. Um, and, you know, and you get apps like Workflow that, that do a lot more than the basic system can do. I think how awesome is workflow? Let's just go ahead and throw that in there right now. Yeah, it is, but it blows my mind a bit. Um, I, I just kind of look at the big list of things you can do with it and then end up doing nothing. It is a little intimidating. It is a little intimidating. I agree. It's, it's a bit easier, I guess easier than things like launch center pro and, and some of the drafts actions. It's a bit more user friendly, I guess, but yeah, I've still not really done much. I, I was not a fan of X callback URLs. I was a fan of the idea behind them and i appreciated the fact that yeah um and greg pierce who is a developer for agile tortoise who does drafts has done a wonderful job of having there be a directory for things uh for drafts to make it easier to upload and not have to write your own stuff but mac stories had a series of articles for a while about the best way to program different actions for drafts and launch center pro using x callback urls and i got about a third of the way through those articles and my brain just just stopped uh workflow does make that a little bit easier yeah that that's got an issue though. Going back to saying about um, drafts having a a place that you can share and download that um, uh, that's something workflow I think needs to really help it along. Um, that the gallery thing that's have, have you seen the new one? Uh, no, they've got a they've got a website now. Oh, okay. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, they've, they've got a website. No, well, don't 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 take it back. Hold on to it. Um, because okay. <laughs> the the quote unquote gallery that's available on the website is still. It's, it's lacking. Uh, I appreciate the fact that there are new things on there. I appreciate the fact that they have put together an RSS feed so that when there's a new workflow submitted and approved, it'll show up in whatever RSS reader you use if that's a thing that you do. Um, and I appreciate the fact that they have, mm. and I don't know if you're, uh, I assume you're a Redditor because you did send me a Reddit link earlier this week. They do have a, a subreddit that's, um, you know, just slash workflow. That's a little bit easier to go in and find some of these workflows, but it is, um, it's still, there's still a barrier to entry that kind of separates the general public from people like you and I who are yeah, interested in doing yeah, these absolutely. kind of things to people. And then there's like a whole nother level to people like uh, Federico and uh, 
you know, other developers that are a little more well-versed with what iOS can do if you have the right, if you have the right inputs and you have the right actions. So now that we've gone on this segue on workflow, I hope you can come back around to where you were, but uh, I like it, it, but I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And it, it's in, in that vein of kind of bringing it back. It, it's one of those things, again, you could probably set something, some crazy action up in there that will try and trigger some random small part of iOS that a, a developer found at some point, find it crashes. And then again, assume, Apple or someone else is is at fault for that when it, it's an app that's designed specifically to kind of bypass the limitations that Apple put in there and put in there for a reason. It, it always surprised me with, I, I've used Android a bit and it, it surprises me. I, I don't really know the Android community to be fair, so this could be completely wrong. They may have their own Marco and uh, Greg Pierce, but it, it seems to be all the kind of developers like that seem to be focused on iOS when they could just do a lot less tinkering, a lot less messing around, I guess, if they just went with Android and, and used uh, a system a lot more open. But if they do opt into a system that is locked down the way it is, then for better or worse, you live with that and you, you work with what you've got. Um, while I don't want to say that, you know, developers shouldn't push that a little bit, but, you know, it, it is, again, working with what you've got. Well, I think there are benefits to having complete buy-in to one system um i use android on a daily basis i do have an iphone but i also have a nexus 7 that is my tablet of of record and it is the thing that i uh i do use uh, it is the tablet that i use uh, that it, is, it is one that i use every day i use it uh here at home for reading and for media consumption i use it in my classroom to do um like power, it's not PowerPoint. I use Google Slides, but I use it to do Google Slides presentations and to do things through the Chromecast and things like that. So I, I'm familiar with Android, and I was a big Android user before I got my iPhone five. I have found the Android community to be much more open and much less, and I don't I don't mean this in an entirely negative way, but much less elitist. Whereas Android, because it is much more of an open platform and much easier to deal with uh, when it comes to things because it's not as locked down, I have found that a lot of those developers have fewer negative things to say about the way the operating system works. And if they do have negative things to say, it's that, oh, we're still missing this feature that iOS has or we're still missing that feature that iOS has. Um, So, I mean, there are positives and negatives. There are benefits and drawbacks to both ones. I mean, and we come back around to... Uh, again, I said I'm not a, an OS X or Yosemite user on a regular basis, but I do either fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, use uh, computers Windows operating systems on a regular basis. I use Windows 7 at home, and unfortunately, I still use XP at the office. Uh, pour one out for Windows XP support. But especially in a large corporate environment, or not corporate, but a large environment that has a lot of different computers, the reason that companies end up going, companies and organizations end up going with Windows and to some extent Android is because they know what to expect especially with Windows. Windows has never been known to be, to have the Apple standard of it just works. People know that there are certain things with Windows that are just going to screw up and there are going to be issues. But at the same time, if you go in knowing that's going to happen, then you can prepare yourself and steal yourself for that. Apple doesn't necessarily have the benefit because people just expect it to work. And if we go back to the root of the article in that Marco said it no longer just works, then that's an issue because there are a lot of people out there that have complete buy-in to this system. I mean, I think about people, I mean, to be honest, I think about people like you that have an iPhone and an iPad and use a MacBook. And if you're trying to do things that go in between devices, like handoff is a great idea. And, I, and, and iCloud is a great idea, but it's, and 
you and I have talked about this and I've talked about another podcast. It's like Skype. They're all great ideas when they work. But we're getting to the point now that it used to be with Apple software to go along with their hardware, we expected it to just work and there weren't issues. And now they're throwing out these new features and it's almost like they're taking the beta tag off of them and throwing them out, but they're still at best beta versions. I mean, I hear people all the time talking about how Hangouts is a great thing um, if they can make it work and hand off, or not Hangouts, handoff is a great thing if they can make it work. Who are we benefiting here? Or who is Apple benefiting here by throwing out all these new things every year? I mean, none of us would be happy if they dialed back and just said, you know, Next year, we're going to release iOS 8.5. We're going to work on fixing all the things that aren't working for people because, A, we've grown accustomed to new, fancy, pretty things every year, and B, you know, the vast majority of people that are showing up to these announcements and to the iOS developer conferences and everything else are people that expect there to be new things for them to incorporate into their software every year. The problem that I think we're running into is, and I mentioned this before, the the people that are the most vocal are the minority. People like your your wife and my wife and the people that I work with and probably the majority of the people you work with aren't going to notice if there's a new feature or not a new feature. Let's not even get into the fact that there are a great number of people that aren't downloading the new operating systems because they've heard that it screws this up or it messes that up or I don't have enough room on my phone to download it in the first place. We're not even going to get into that, but if they hear that it's going to screw up their phone and they use their phone on a regular basis, even if it's just for things like, you know, calling their spouse on the way home to figure out if they need to pick up something from the grocery store like I have to do. If they think it's going to mess that up, they're not even going to upgrade. And what does it say when the 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 general public, the people that are as tech literate as us, or as we like to think that we are, what does it say when people like that are hesitant? What kind of reputation does that give Apple? Yeah, uh, no, I agree. Um, I think it all started um, this kind of issue or concern from people from uh, iOS 7 when it just kind of changed the whole look of things uh, and and kind of threw people a, a bit the kind of the, the basic general user, the everyday user it, it was a more notable change than they've ever seen before and I think that threw people off and, and started the, the kind of regular folk, for want of a better term being a bit more aware of, of changes that are happening with the, with the operating system but kind of prior to iOS 7 the, the the whole system was was essentially very basic you know it was the iphone itself was a glorified app launcher there is there wasn't at that point a hell of a lot that could go wrong not being a software developer i, I you know that that could be a bit naive of me to say but when it wasn't doing too much beyond just opening apps then it is just going to work it is going to be fine and, and not an issue but as we alluded to before it isn't a position that Apple can just sit in and, and stay with that. They do have to start adding new features and they are going to get more complicated and more advanced as they go along. That's just the nature of it. So they are stuck in that situation of having to offer more and appease people. You know, being a, what is it, the, the most valuable company in the world now as well, you know, they do have other obligations as well that, I guess people don't always consider and maybe don't want to th- want to hear about or think about but you know they do have shareholders that demand more profits more of this more of that that they have to also go along with someone at Apple or Tim Cook or whoever would probably prefer just to be able to push back a little bit slow down tweak things and, and make them just perfect but it's the real world and it's a you don't become the biggest or stay the biggest company or most valuable company in the world by just tweaking things and letting letting it roll over and tick over you know there something has to give they apple had to launch maps 
their own version of uh, you know google maps that didn't start great but i've been using it a bit recently and you know it is getting there and, and everything does have to start somewhere and they do need to start you know that was a business decision to to move away from google and google services and while not perfect you know you can still get google maps now on the phone it, they they did still need to just take that plunge and and do it like um i think it was federico said in his um article on mac stories that while people say or marco in particular or some others have said you know let's just slow things down develop and uh improve on what you've got before adding new features whether they like it or not normal everyday users wouldn't like that but particularly people like marco wouldn't like that you know like you said if they didn't have new toys to play with come wwdc then they're going to be the first and last kind of first and loudest sorry group to to really kick off on that well that being said they are the most vocal and i i agree uh you know we we, we both agree on that do you think that this is getting more press than it deserves because it's this time of year and the only real thing i mean we're still a few months out from wwdc we're still we're a couple months after the latest new hardware release and the yosemite release and things like that is this do you think this is just happening because it's a slow news cycle i mean what do we have going on that's electronics related this time of year i mean ces nope nobody's people are interested in ces but think about how many things you've heard about about heard about at the consumer electronics show in the last 10 or 15 years that have been oh this is the next big thing and then nobody hears about them again i mean is this getting a lot of press because it's super important or is this getting a lot of press because it's the only big story uh to me it's it's that it's the only big story to be honest it's it's nothing new the issues that people have been having while you know maybe it's got to the point when marco and, and others like that feel like it's uh it's got too bad to to kind of go on you know then they're, they're not moving away from ios and os x they're, they're still using it as far as i know they're still big in the community so it's not such a big issue that you know they're going to have to move away from from the whole ecosystem so it, it can't be all that bad for them you know it's um it, they've stuck with it this long they're going to stick with it after that this is one of those things i think it's going to blow over it, it's it's a bit ironic i suppose saying that but then doing a podcast about it but it, it, it does kind of highlight i guess kind of how big and mainstream ios is uh or issues like this have got because i think marco's story was in it where well, it wasn't on our news here but uh, i think it was on some of the news stations out there as far as i know which is a surprise but like you said you know there, there's nothing coming out of ces that anyone's interested in i think the only thing of anyone's going to be interested in in kind of apple's ecosystem this year is the watch which i i'm looking forward to myself we need to have a conversation about the pebble at some point um I found out the other day via your other super secret podcast that you're wearing a pebble and that's been one of my one of my uh secret wants here for the last little while so maybe that'll be an episode we do here down the road especially once the iWatch comes out is notifications and and risk-based things and things like that but I I'd like to talk to you about how the pebble's been working out and whether or not you recommend it and things like that um I agree with you that I think the watch is going to be Apple's big announcement for this quarter and that I mean obviously if <laughs> If he was in their pocket or doing anything for them, Marco wouldn't be saying the things that he's saying. But it is convenient that Apple is in the news, even though they haven't done anything of real note here recently. I mean, if you think about it, the last thing that they did that was um, noteworthy, besides the whole App Store dust-up, which again, I think was bigger in our community and the, and the people that we follow than it was 
with normal people. I mean, the last thing they did was the release of the new hardware and, and the new operating system. So I think it is a convenient way for Apple to stay in the news. And obviously Apple is for most people worth reporting on because like you mentioned, it is the largest, most valuable company in the world. But I think that it's probably about time uh, that we just kind of let this stuff die and not really bring up anything again, be it positive or negative, unless it is, you know, truly newsworthy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if it, if it gets so bad that you can't live with it anymore, then there are options, you know, you've got windows and Linux. If you're a real glutton for punishment, I guess you've got Android. If- yeah, dude. Oh <laughs> my God. Let me, let me, let me talk to you about Linux for just a second. I really wanted to record on Linux today because I've been messing around with, um, the latest Ubuntu re- um, release and just kind of messing around because I've got this netbook here at home. I'm recording on a netbook, which I don't know, thank the technology gods that there hasn't been a fire underneath my desk here in the last <laughs> little while with as long as we've been on Skype. But yeah, I, I wanted to like it. I did, but, and I'm, I hate to always kind of put myself into that kind of group but Marco says in the article again that he's just not in a place right now to go to desktop Linux on a regular basis. And I don't blame him because I've been in desktop. I've been trying to use desktop Linux for the last couple of weeks. And it's just, and I'll, I'll remind you, my alternative is windows seven, windows seven starter. And I still go back to windows because the Linux just doesn't have the polish and the support that, that windows has. And you know, it's, this is, I'm running Windows 7, and I'm running XP at work, and then there are computers that are running Windows 8, and computers that are running Windows 8.1. I would think the majority of Apple computers are using OS Yosemite now, and that makes it that much easier to do tech support and things like that. It's not, neither of us are agreeing that it is a bad ecosystem to be a part of. I mean, right? I know you're not saying that. I'm not saying it. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm all in. Um, like I said, if it becomes an issue, I will change it. You know, I'm not so in it that I can't just, you know, try something else, move over. But it's, I'm, I'm just not seeing the issues that seem to be so prevalent for everyone else, to be honest. It's, it does just work for me. iCloud Photos is probably done oh, for another God. day. Thank you for that, by the way. Doesn't quite work. I blame you. <laughs> I tried to, up. yeah, I, I blame myself, to be honest. It seems so good. Uh, it seemed like it was going to work a charm. I uploaded about a thousand pictures from my honeymoon onto it uh, through the web browser, and it just dumps them randomly at the end of the, at least they're at the end, so I can find them. But when I uploaded them through Dropbox and Carousel, they were all in correct date order. Yeah, iCloud didn't pull the metadata like it was supposed to. Didn't. No, it, it found the location, which was annoying. It knew that they were in Las Vegas and wherever else we were but it didn't get the date for some reason the, the the date's in the file it's in like i said dropbox found it but but again it's a beta bit of or beta um a bit of software it's uh you know won't be too harsh on it i guess at this point um and to try and uh, i won't backtrack on saying now that there are issues with with apple software but it's one to look out for. Was, I think it's more that, that that was the thing that I was kind of really looking forward to. Um, and it works fine on the phone as long as it's iPhone photos that you're you're backing up. But it doesn't currently play very well with 
uploading. Yeah, because you're you're a bit of a of an amateur slash semi professional photographer. You take some beautiful pictures. I think you're being a bit polite there. It's, it's better um, than what I'm scraping out. Um, so you and and my brother, who uh, is also uh, a semi professional photographer, are the people that I go to to ask about uh, things like digital photo storage and things like that. And you and I were having a conversation, oh, a little more than a week ago. And you said, oh, iPhoto, that's a, that's a thing. You know, you can use iCloud. You can upload it through the web browser, things like that. And I was like, oh, this is wonderful. And and I did. And I was really happy with the syncing between my computer and the web browser and my phone. And then lo and behold, Andy, and I blame you, lo and behold, I'm on iCloud photos for, I'm all in on iCloud photos for all of what, like three days. And then it's no longer visible when you log into iCloud on the web browser. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, it is for me. Well, that's apparently you're a better person than I am because, and I wasn't the only person that this happened to. I thought that it had, I thought that I read a couple of stories either on The, the Verge or, uh, or Max or something like that that just didn't show up. So uh, I did have a couple of, uh, I did have at least a day or two where I couldn't see them on the web browser anymore. Luckily, I, I have them synced with my computer, uh, which again, trying to sync photos in between Windows and iOS via iCloud. And again, that's this is an entirely different episode, but how many times have you and I both been back and forth in the three different forms of uh, cloud, major forms of cloud storage the past three weeks? Too many times. Um, I mean, between Dropbox and Google Drive and iCloud and everything else, I think that you and I have just about covered all of them in the past couple of weeks, you have finally come up with a solution. Uh, and that was not a cheap one, if I remember correctly. Uh, well, it's cheaper than it should have been. Uh, I had some uh, iTunes credit left over from Christmas. So I just thought, oh, I saw the in-app purchase in the Dropbox app. So I thought that's one way of doing it. I jumped on the year's, year's subscription for the Pro account, which is far too much space that, than I'm ever going to need, to be honest. So it's probably a bit silly, but... It saves me back and forth in between because it's not just when you change that, like you said, this is probably something we could, we could discuss another time. But when you change or when I change those kind of services, I don't just move from using Dropbox to iCloud Drive. It's now I've got to use everything Google. I've got to use Inbox, you know, the Inbox mm-hmm. app and Google Plus. And I've, I, I have to be all in or all out with stuff. So it, it just involves messing around and moving files around and i've lost pictures and things by by trying to do that because i think everything's downloaded back again before i move it to the next service and it's it's not and then i you know so it's it's stupid and it's a waste of time and and effort just kind of moving between the two i think so yeah it was a way of forcing myself to to lock into something at least for another year yeah it's it's one of those things where you can either buy completely to the iCloud system or you can buy in completely to the Google system and use Google Drive and Google Plus and and uh, Google Docs and things like that or you can use Dropbox and Carousel and the things that they incorporate with um, but anymore it's not just I'm going to do my email here, I'm going to do my photos here, and I'm going to do everything else here you know in for uh, for file storage and everything else anymore it's you have to buy in completely to one system or the other, and that's I think going to end up being a big, uh, a big hindrance to a lot of people on the road because it used to be guys like you and me uh, could just say, okay, well this month this particular service isn't working for me, I'm going to move over. And yeah, it's a pain to move all my photos from one place to another, but if this service isn't working for me, then I'm going to show them that I like this, and I'm going to move my my. Uh, my photos or my files or my storage elsewhere. But anymore, it's it's not as simple and easy as it used to be because there are still so many different parts of your life that are involved in one place or the other. So I don't know. I'm 
I mean, to wrap it up and to bring it all the way back around, I'm happy with the way iOS works for me. If I were to go buy another computer tomorrow and, and money wasn't an issue, because that's what it really boils down to. If I was to go buy another computer tomorrow, I, I'd be buying a MacBook Air in a heartbeat. I would go full in to this ecosystem when I have the opportunity to upgrade my phone here the 1st of March. And you and I have talked about this. It's a 6 Plus. So you're not going to convince me away from it. It can have all of the perceived issues that the developers and the power users want to say, but at this point, it doesn't have enough problems, even with some of the betas that I'm using and some of the crazy edge cases that I have, that it's going to drive me away because I still think, at least for me personally, it is uh, it is the best option. Yeah, and that's that's the, that's the best way to wrap it up. It's, it's still, at least for the vast majority of people, it just works. Um, Absolutely. Completely agree. It de- definitely just works. I think that was a good first topic. I mean, because... There, there are no other podcasts out there about iOS or Apple or anything else. So I really think we're breaking into a new world here. Absolutely. We're probably the first people to discuss this article as well. I'm glad that we got a chance to hang out and do this. Guys, uh, whoever, guys and girls, anybody who's listening, if you feel the same way as we do, if you feel different than we do, we'd love to hear from you. The best way to get in touch with us is, I, is either via the contact form on our website. You can go to nerduprising.co. Uh, and there is a contact us button at the top should pop up a little form. It'll email either uh, myself or all of us, depending on how I set it up. If you want me to, I can just forward every single email we get to Andy. He has, you know, three jobs and a baby. I'm sure he's not busy at all. He'd love to take the time to respond to your emails. Um, or you, or you can get in touch with us via Twitter. Uh, the show has its own Twitter account at bipolar underscore podcast. Cause again, bipolar underscore podcast on Twitter, uh, Andy, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you individually because they think that you're a genius or you're an idiot, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, best way, well, a way uh, is Twitter. Uh, it says at Andy Nico underscore. Um, or you can email me. It's Andy N at nerduprising.co. We're, we're an underscore friendly family around here. If you wanted to get in touch with uh, the <laughs> network in general, the network in general, or me specifically, the best way to do that is on Twitter at nerd underscore uprising. Uh, and if for some reason you wanted to email me, uh, and I do the best to respond to my emails when uh, I am intoxicated and have nothing better to do, then you can get in touch with me at will at nerduprising.co. But again, and I think I speak for Andy when I say this, Twitter's typically the best way to do that because uh, I'm much more likely to respond to 140 characters of you being pissed off than I am uh, another seven and a half paragraph. So, uh, so Agreed. yeah. Um, Andy, this is a good time, man. I look forward to doing this here again in the in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening up to this point. And uh, we hope that we haven't irritated you to the point that you don't want to come back. Uh, we'll hear from, you'll hear from us if you're so interested here in a couple of weeks. Uh, but between now and then, Andy, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Perfect. Cheers for that. All right, man. Take it easy.